Napa know-how. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Blog Talk Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, good evening. My name is Matthew Kanata, and I am joined tonight by Sutton, my fabulous, wonderful, fantastic co-host. Our boy Houts is off due to a family emergency, and McKinney is out somewhere in the Keys getting drunk. He's probably blacked out by now, probably not even listening to this show. Um, But he's been telling us all day long that he loves us, that that he just misses us, and... We know that that is not a good yeah, sign. Not, and not so many words that he tell us that he loved us. Uh, we just kind of we just kind of in, inference we that just or whatever the word is. For him. We know what he means. He knows <laughs> exactly. Despite, despite the curses, he was throwing at us and saying that he doesn't like us. He really means that he loves us and just misses us. <laughs> um, that's exactly what he meant. So you may have noticed no opening again tonight, and we're still dealing with the copyright issues. Um, trying to figure out the fine line between what is copyright, what is not copyright. Of course, you know that we are part of SB Nation. We are a large podcast, uh, so we're heard all over the world. I actually got a tweet today from uh, someone in Ireland. Hopefully he's listening right now that he listens to our show. So that's some pretty cool stuff. And I know we have listeners out in the UK and much, much more. And um, so, yes, we are still working through the copyright issues. Uh, you you know, a few weeks ago we were doing the songs, you know, depending on how the game went, and uh, we got a little got into a little bit of trouble for that. Last week we had a call from the game, uh, got a little in trouble for that. So we are going to keep working. I think we need to go to radio calls, or we need to uh, draft up an agreement and uh, get the get the television calls on our show. So I do apologize that you didn't have a nice opening to listen to. If you want to hear a nice opening, uh, text me. Well, you can't text me. Tweet me, and I will, I'll call you, and I'll play you an opening myself through my phone. And uh, that's just the way it's going to be. But anyways, uh, I'm rambling right now, and I'm making zero sense. But the fact is, the Dolphins game on Sunday versus the Rams, the Los Angeles Rams, made absolutely zero sense. Uh, I was sitting there on my sofa playing with my kid. Actually, I wasn't playing with my kid. I was watching the game. She was playing by herself. And <laughs> she, was playing, she was playing around you. You had no idea what she, she, was, she doing. was I had no idea what she was doing. I am completely honest with you. I have no idea. She may have. I don't even know what she did. I think my wife was sleeping because she was sick, so she was out in the bedroom, out, out knocked out cold. So it was me and Taylor, uh, or Taylor and I, and we were just hanging out in, in the living room watching the Dolphins football, and she kept on yelling baseball at the TV screen, and I kept saying, Taylor, this is not baseball. It's football. And she says, no, I want baseball. I said, no, this is football. So I have some things to work on with Taylor in terms of figuring out what sport she really likes and turning her into a, into a Dolphins fan. But, again, this Dolphins game made absolutely zero sense. For the first 55 minutes of the game, it was an absolutely dreadful, terrible game to watch. I have more fun watching my local high school team playing football than I did the Dolphins on Sunday afternoon uh, through the first 55 minutes of the game. And then out of nowhere – out of completely nowhere, things turned around. Greg Zerline missed the field goal, which put the, which kept the Rams up only 10 nothing, gave the Dolphins some life, and then they just drove down the field. And Jarvis Landry with that spectacular play where the whole team just wheeled him into the end zone. I mean, I've never seen anything like that where it's basically the Rams. It was like tug-of-war with Jarvis Landry in the middle, and whatever side was pushing was going to uh, – Win that battle, and the Dolphins team uh, pushed the whole Rams team basically into the end zone. And then the defense held Jared Goff, who was throwing five-yard passes all game, and they got the ball back. And, and again, Ryan Tannehill was the GOAT, driving down the field, making these (laughs) incredible, crazy, stupid passes, uh, and then hitting Devontae Parker again in the end zone for that touchdown. And then, of course, right, you get flashbacks of the Steelers game a few years ago where Antonio Brown – at the end of the game, running down the sideline, steps out of bounds. Of course, the Rams have this really nice kickoff return, get past the midfield marker, and you're like, 
oh, my God, is he going to score a touchdown? I mean, imagine if that happened. But uh, fortunately, he was tackled, and Jared Goff couldn't get anything going after that. So we're going to talk about this game today. Uh, Sutton, I want to I wanna see how you felt. Because I know from the reaction on Twitter afterwards, and you don't have Twitter, but people were just freaking out that the Dolphins were able to pull this one off and uh, get it into the win column instead of a loss column, which we all thought was coming for the first 55 minutes of the game. Uh, so Sutton, what were you feeling during the game? What were you feeling after the game? Please don't get naughty on us. Of course, I want to know your feelings, not what you were actually yeah, feeling. Yeah, yeah. Especially feeling, in the last so. five minutes of the game. So, so take <laughs> it away. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Yeah, so you had mentioned, uh, you know, the, the field goal clanging off the upright there to prevent Los Angeles going up 13 nothing, And to me, it, it was kind of like one of those kung fu gongs, like – Bong, you are awakened and enlightened, and you must go get this victory. So that's what it felt like to me at that moment in time, because you just you saw a difference in attitude. And, and granted, I think Los Angeles, um, especially in that last drive, was really loose with their defense. Um, looked like Tannehill and Devontae Parker were just playing pitch and catch out there, but. Um, what a very strange game to just process from beginning to finish in that game. So many different thoughts are running through my mind in a game like that because even, you know, before the game started, I had written, you know, I had written on the Finsider about the dichotomy I was having, the jaded cynical side versus the optimistic side. And so you're looking at this game and you see them, you know, one for 11, on third down and at one point in the third quarter we had ran more plays just on offense than we had total yards passing the ball so it was pretty dreadful there for a while and it made you wonder oh man like did we we get too ahead of ourselves here what's going on you know it it was a lot to process and you know, obviously the injuries to the offensive line had something to do with everything. You know, Tannehill getting sacked four times in that game and looked rushed on a few other dropbacks as well. But you just started to wonder, oh, man, are, are, we're, we're going to come crashing back down to earth. Screw it. We knew this was going to happen. We're coming crashing back down to earth. And then you see that play with Landry, and he said it <laughs> He had a pretty funny quote. He said, uh, uh, I, I couldn't get in there alone. I closed my eyes and went for the ride. So uh, just a total team victory. And, and you got that sense in Adam Gase's uh, post-game press conference about the win. That was the permeating message that I heard throughout there, all the different types of questions that was asked to him, was about the team attitude and that, you see veterans buying in and you see rookies doing their parts and you just see a collective sense of we're going to find a way to win this game. One of us is going to, one of us is going to pull this off and we're just going to get it done. And that's how it is. And you heard him in that last drive against Los Angeles it seems like Gase and company, they were going touchdown or nothing. Uh, what he said was touchdown and interception, but they were going for the win no matter what. They weren't going to try to kick the field goal and tie that game up. So you see a kind of a killer instinct developing in a young team, and I think that's what's really exciting for a lot of Dolphins fans, seeing a mediocre, lukewarm bunch half-ass their way through seasons now you're seeing a young team that's hungry coming together and finding ways to win, and we're not just talking about it. It's actually happening on the field. So you have to feel very um, comfortable going forward with Gase as a coaching staff and the way that he's been able to motivate these troops uh, to overcome a game like that and win. That's not an easy thing to do, and we've seen this, this exact narrative go against us. And we've seen it in our house, Aaron Rodgers going against us, uh, 
throwing a touchdown pass with 40 seconds left. And then I happened to be in Detroit where they threw it to Theo Reddick with like 23 seconds left to win the game. So we've been on the opposite side of this game. So I think it's just difficult for us to process because we're usually on the opposite side of this game. We happen to pull this one off and we're trying to figure out, oh my gosh, like are we actually for real or – you know, was this just a fluke? But this is two games in a row where we've told ourselves this is a game we don't usually win, and we pull this game off. This is two wins in a row like this. So you have to start wondering, is this a, is this a pattern or just a crazy, crazy coincidence? And let me just go, go back to what we were saying about Adam Gase, what you were saying, where he said it was either touchdown or nothing. And I had tweeted this out earlier today after looking at the transcripts from the uh, day after press conference and the post-game press conference as well. And I'm just trying to pull it up here. But what Adam Gase basically said is that you're right, what you said. They were either going for a touchdown or an interception. The game was not going into overtime. Now, of course, if the Dolphins had failed and gotten into fourth down and field goal territory, I'm sure the thinking would have been different and they probably would have kicked the field goal to go into overtime. But the fact of the matter is that he had that mindset going into that last drive that they were going to score or they were going to lose trying to be aggressive and score. Um, and, you know, it was an all-or-nothing attitude. And Adam Gase gave credit to Mike Martz, and here's what he said about that. He said he started being under Steve Mariucci, Mariucci, where he was an all-or-nothing attitude. But he wasn't really involved as much under Mariucci. But spending three years with Mike Martz, he said it was probably the greatest thing to happen to him because he said if, he doesn't know if he could have had a more confident mentor than what he had. And that he learned from the guy that it was always about winning the game and not playing to lose. And Here's what here's where it gets crazy, you know, with, with him just oozing with this confidence, and then the players start buying in, buying in, buying in. And you didn't see this under Joe Philbin. You didn't really see this under Tony Sperano a ton. Uh, and his exact words was, it was either going to be a pick or a touchdown. That's how we were going to. That game wasn't going into overtime. That's how it was going to be. And basically, the players have taken on a mentality – of an all-or-nothing attitude. And you've seen it starting with the Pittsburgh game where they're going into the ballroom and, and going up against each other and banging against each other in the walkthrough where it's supposed to be a simple thing, but these guys were thumping on the ground and doing everything, you know, going all out even in that, which was just, you know, great to hear. And it's certainly carried over now into these games where they are just going everything forward and they have this unbelievable confidence in each other. And uh, Ryan Tannehill even said it himself and others, have even said it himself. And I want to talk a bit, a little bit more later in the show about how we hear players publicly talking about Ryan Tannehill now, and they haven't ever done that in the past. But I do know we have a lot of questions tonight in the live thread. I know we want to get to those. We have quite a few questions from Twitter, uh, so we do want to get to those. So we're going to be taking breaks here yeah. and there. Uh, pl- please feel free to call us into the show tonight. You can call us at 347-326-9461. Again, 347-326-9461. 9461. We want to know how you reacted when the Dolphins won that game. But Sutton, take us to the lights right now. What do we got? Well, MC Money, I got a caller. It's Dolphin Fan for Life. He has a theory about why I'm playing so well. So let me put him on the line. Give me just a second. Dolphin Dolphin Fan for Life. That's our boy. Hello. Hello, Dolphin Fan for Life. Hey. Hey, now, hey I've, I've had Steve, a... right? Your name's Steve, right? Chris. Yeah, you should have like known that, Chris, son. Chris it's Chris. Jeez. I was, How did you I, not know that? I was, I was just uh, tossing horseshoes there, hoping I My got close. God. Maybe I got a syllable was, in there or something. You should have known it was Christoph. <laughs> okay, yeah, you know, I, was was, I got the S Chris and the T, you know? It was pretty <laughs> – okay, never mind. I'll stop talking. <laughs> All right. Um, first off, uh, my little comment about the win, and it seemed like everything started clicking into place once their 
star cornerback went down. And that opened up a lot of the passing lanes. But my theory about what's going on with this team, and we've seen it with Ryan Tannehill over the years, Ryan Tannehill gets knocked down, picks himself back up, and he's on to the next play. He's peeing blood. He picks himself up. He's on to the next play. This guy has yet to miss a game. And I think one of the biggest things that we see is his attitude is beginning to permeate with the rest of the team. You've got Jarvis Landry playing through injury. Kenny Stills playing through injury. Brandon Albert popping his wrist back in place just to get back in the game, chomping at the bit to play next week. you got James playing through injury, the guy that we signed from New Orleans playing through injury for most of the year. On defense, you've got Kiko Alonso playing through injury. So many players are playing through injury right now. And maybe they might not be doing their best, but it's kind of like a mentality where you have to pick yourself back up, dust yourself off, and get back on the field and help this team win. And that's the thing. They're playing as a team for the team. You don't hear anybody giving credit to themselves. You hear everybody giving credit to the team. And that's why we're seeing success on the field. Absolutely, Christoph. And, again, thank you for calling. We'll keep you on the line until we answer your question. But that just brings me – I know I wanted to say I want to talk about this later on in the show, but since you led me into it, um, you know, we see these these guys talking publicly about Ryan Tannehill and how much of a warrior he is. And they're giving credit to Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, on the other hand, is giving credit to his offensive line and 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 the receivers and the running backs. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they're giving credit to each other. And you're right, it's a whole team effort. And Adam Gase has absolutely changed the culture here in Miami. He has done a phenomenal job. He has undone what Joe Philbin and his coaching staff did to this team in about half a season. And whether the Dolphins make the playoffs or not, here's the thing. You know the culture's changing. The Dolphins fall a game short of the playoffs. Uh, Of course it's going to be disappointing as all hell, especially on the streak we're on right now. But you know that it's going in the right direction and you can have confidence in that moving forward. And Adam Gase has absolutely instilled the team first effort here in Miami. Christoph, thank you again for calling. So, and take us and to the to, live thread. Sorry, real yeah. quick, real quick, MC money to speak to his larger point, just about the overall team toughness. I think beating Buffalo and beating the jets. I think those are the two teams that have really, historically during the Tannehill era, manhandled us on the trenches. Absolutely. Yep. Be- beating both those teams in the, in the way that we did, I yeah. think, I think sent a very loud message as well. Absolutely. And you know, you saw our guys being physical in those games too. And they haven't ever been physical against these teams. And, and they were, and that you're right. That absolutely did send a message to the Jets and the Bills and everyone else in the NFL for that matter. And even against the Rams, they were getting chippy. Uh, they were showing them that they weren't going to be pushed around. And this is a freaking great team to watch, at least for the last five minutes of a game. All right, fine. <laughs> take, us to the, take, us, take us to the live thread. What do we got? Okay, yeah, we got, uh, we got a fairly wide variety of questions on here. I'm actually going to start at the bottom and work my way up this time. Pretty crazy, huh? Um, so we have a, a, a rare poster but um, took the time to uh, post a question tonight for us. His name's Jersey Finn Fan. Uh, he listens every week over there in Jersey. He's super excited about how this season's turned around. But his question is, when do you guys think we will begin seeing Grant and more packages in order to take advantage of his speed? What do you think about that MC money? Yeah, so I think Grant's been kind of learning the offense as we go here, trying to get the mental stuff right. And I'm not it's hard to say because I don't know if there's a lot of room for him on the field with the way their offense is going right now with Jay Ajayi, and then you kind of take him off the field and you mix it up with Jakeem Grant. I would like to see Jakeem Grant get more involved. They tried to get him involved a little bit a few weeks ago. Obviously, on Sunday, there wasn't much they could do with the field conditions and the position they were in with the offensive line. Um, 
you know, obviously there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about because the guy is fast, the guy is sneaky, the guy is quick. Uh, he's probably just not getting the offense down as much as everyone thinks he may be. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I noticed the Dolphins were kind of flip-flopping between Jarvis Landry and Jakeem Grant taking the yeah, punt. So, and was so that dependent I, on where where they were supposed to catch the ball on the field? Because I got the impression that Grant wasn't um, – if it was they were lined up inside the 20-yard line to catch the ball, that he wasn't going to be doing it anymore. Yeah, the, the coaches had kind of hinted up leading up to the game. Jarvis Landry would be back there when it's uh, a situation where they can be pinned back deep. You know, obviously he has greater instincts and, and greater smarts about the game, where Jakeem Grant would kind of be more towards the middle of the field guy or if the punt was going to land around the 20-yard line. Um, they're going to kind of sort it out like that moving forward until Jakeem Grant yeah, that, really gets makes, where he needs to be. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like I, And to follow up on his question, I mean, I've kind of been clamoring for – more grant plays and sub packages and stuff like that. But like you said, MC money, it's kind of hard to see where he gets on the field. I mean, who does he replace? Does he replace That's the thing. Landry in the slot? I mean, does he replace stills? Um, does he, you know, do we go five wide? I mean, what would that play look like? And I thought the most intriguing play that they've used with Jakeem Grant was when he was the decoy and kind of, uh, it kind of raised the flag with the defense, like, hey, you need to pay attention to this guy, and then we just ended up running it up the middle anyway. Um, so it, it's hard to tell how they will incorporate him, but I trust Gates going forward that uh, when we get into a game where we're going to need some more creativity, that Jakeem Grant might very well be a part of that. You're right. So, So you look at – who you take off the field, right? You mentioned, okay, you take Kenny Stills off. You're, the Jakeem Grant's not a wide receiver. He's not going to go long. You know, they're going to play up in the box. Okay, so you limit that. You take, even if you go five wide, then you only got your five offensive linemen, and when you got three backups on the line, you really can't work with that. Um, you even go four receivers, five offensive linemen, that's nine. You got Tannehill as 10. Uh what are you going to do there? You could bring Jakeem Grant in, but then you're either taking a tight end off the field or you're taking Jay Ajayi off the field. So, really, you know, it's a numbers game right now, and it's an issue of learning the offense. Son, what and, else you're we looking have at, and you're also looking at likely a screen type of pass. And I've seen a lot of chatter online recently, and I think it's true. We don't seem to be a very good screen team. So, you know, incorporating Jakeem Grant, with a screen type pass that we're not necessarily that great at executing, even with Jarvis Landry and the other skill players that we have, it's a little bit more of a risk than it would be under other conditions. And Adam Gase even said that uh, they're not a good screen team. He told the Fox producers and the announcers leading up to the game, that the Dolphins aren't a great screen team, but he still keeps on trying to do it. So kudos to him, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let me, let me throw another let me throw another question your way there, MC Money. Um, and this doesn't necessarily get into uh, specifics about the San Francisco game, but just thinking about you know an X factor type of player, who is your X factor that will be the difference in a Dolphins win this week? JHI. This is easy. The 49ers are atrocious on run defense. Uh, teams have gashed them all season long. I was surprised the Patriots – well, the Patriots didn't really need to run more. But who played them two weeks ago? Was it the Cardinals that played them? Yeah, it was the Cardinals that played them two weeks ago. And they did not run a lot uh, as much as they should have. But Jay Ajayi is going to have an absolutely monster game on Sunday. Well, I think I think he meant more X factor in terms of like an underdog that maybe is underneath the radar of somebody that might have an impact on the game that you may not expect. That would be me if I sit on my sofa the right way again, um, you know, wear the same clothes and, and sit exactly the right way, then I think the Dolphins will have a shot yeah. to win the game. Yeah, no, you make X sure you factor. have your right hand on your ball sack instead of your left no, one. stop it, Sutton. Stop it. Oh, you know, that's a good question. But I, I think Kenny Stills might have a chance to break the, the lid off the defense. Uh, Eric Reed is out for the season, so they're losing one of their best players in the secondary. So I think Kenny Stills has a chance to make some noise. Um, Deion Sims, you know, they're raving about his blocking ability. I don't think we're going to see him go out much in space to catch the ball. Jordan Phillips and Earl Mitchell keep improving. Um, 
I think everyone's playing really well right now. And really at this point, nothing would surprise me in terms of who steps up. Everyone's just working so well together. Well, hey, do you want to do you want to take another question from the live thread, or would you like to proceed? Let's take one more from the live thread. Okay, and you're you're probably more apt to answer this question anyway. And let me just let me it's just an cut injury you off question. And I think I'm. What do you say? Let me just cut you off. Um, I'm just looking at the live thread right now. This live thread is absolutely rocking. We have 54 comments right now. Uh, if we don't get to your question tonight. Uh, it's just because there's so many coming in and that's a good problem to have because it means you actually like us. You actually want to talk to us. Unlike our wives who just leave us and go shopping. Yeah. <laughs> I came, I came upstairs to normally we do the podcast at nine o'clock obviously. And I come upstairs at nine Oh eight and my wife looks at me like, why in the world are you up here right now? Will you please go right. back downstairs? <laughs> <laughs> like she's disgusted that I came upstairs. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the story of my life. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's an injury question, and it's I think the one prevalent question that's on Dolphin fans' minds is what's going on with the offensive line and the injuries going on. Pouncey, Tunsil, Albert. Um, other than Albert saying that you can't rule him out this weekend, whatever. That's a player commenting about his injuries to take that for what it's worth. But have you heard any inside scoop or anything thereof to suggest what's going on with those three offensive line injuries? Yeah, no, I I don't know. Um, The Dolphins have been extremely quiet about it. I reached out to someone uh, in the the area, and they are being very quiet about it, which means – a, either they're trying to uh, do this showmanship with the 49ers and gamesmanship and, you know, try not to reveal their hand too much. I do think Brandon Albert has a very good chance to play. But as far as Tunsil goes, uh, I don't know. It is going to to see if he will be able to play. And we'll find out more information as the week goes on and as the Dolphins need to start releasing their injury reports. But in so we'll MC see. Money, let me let me ask you a question, and I also want to throw this to the live thread since it's lit, as the young kids say. <laughs> what? Okay, here's what I'm thinking, and I know this is a very risky proposition, but say you have Tunsil and you have Pouncey that could go into the San Francisco game and play and be like, I don't know, 60-40, 70-30, somewhere in there in terms of, uh, how ready they are to go. Yeah, do I mean, you, a, do you rest them hoping that they get up to like the 90, 95% range the following week? Do you risk not playing your best players in a game that you probably should win, have to win to stay in the playoff race, but thinking long-term aggressively, you want these players to be playing at a higher level later in the season when we play against tougher competition. So I think this is a very, very interesting question and dynamic for this team for the next week or two. Yeah. So here's my thing about that. We've seen all season long and all in training camp that Adam Gase is not going to rush anyone back. He didn't rush Devontae Parker back. He hasn't rushed Mike Pouncey back from the initial injury. He didn't rush Cameron Wake back. They are not going to put these guys on the field if they are not ready to go. And we've seen that over and over this season. I think we'll keep on seeing it. And really, Mike Pouncey, uh, mentally on the line, the line calls is where they need him more than Steen. But as far as the physicality goes um, and able to hold up, Steen is a downgrade, of course, for Mike Pouncey. But it's not like he is the worst in the world. He can do a serviceable job in there. The real concern is along the left side of the line. We might see in a situation where Albert and Tunsil are active but aren't in the game, and if they need them, if, if things start going wrong, they'll put them in the game, uh, hopefully pull out a win that way. Let me jump to the Twitter feed right now and, and answer some questions there. Just want to remind everyone, as one of our loyal followers, Esteban Sabreros, told me just a few minutes ago, today is the four-year anniversary of the butt fumble. And <laughs> where were you when the butt fumble happened? I was in Target on Black Friday. Uh, not Black Friday. It was actually Thanksgiving evening, shopping with my wife, watching her spend all my money. 
and I had it streaming on my phone, and it was just <laughs> hilarious. Sutton, do you remember where you were during the butt fumble? Yeah, I was in the basement of my wife's aunt's house. Um, we were just uh, chilling downstairs in the basement in a uh, turkey comatose sort of uh, state, and um, oh my gosh. I, I don't think anybody else appreciated it as much as I did, but I still, to this day, even if you just say butt fumble, I inherently giggle either inside, like I, I may not let it out, but I giggle <laughs> on the inside. But most yeah. of the time I do like burst out into some kind of chuckle. And then if I see um, like a gif of it, oh my gosh, like I could watch that all day. And all night. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's good hilarious. Stuff. And I was watching, hilarious. I was watching it again today. I'm like, oh my God. All right, let me throw up another question from the Twitter. Sutton, I'm going to keep on throwing these Twitter questions away because you threw the live thread at me. Um, that football life is just making a statement here. Uh, consistent awareness, ability to manipulate pocket or sense rush slash get out of and run for first downs that are often there equals issues, in my opinion. He's talking about Ryan Tannehill. To the uh, question from our boy Bob Carruth, Bob Carruth who was a little upset with us last week, I have to say, Sutton. Uh, Bob, <laughs> yeah. sent me, Bob, Bob sent me a tweet after last week's show. What did he, he say? Was, he, was little, he was a little mad at me. He goes, did you really miss my questions? And, and I'm, looking at, I'm looking at my tweet, the, my phone, and I'm like, oh, my God, Bob is mad at me. I can't believe Bob is mad at me. And it's that feeling Dude, we that can't, we can't, we can't let We can't let down your one Twitter follower. No, and it, you know it's that feeling when, when you make your wife when you make your wife mad or girlfriend mad, and then uh, you just like I'm oh sorry, my god that was that, a big thing to say, wasn't it? I'm sorry, MC Money. You know I love you, Ray. No, yeah, because I have two followers, you jerk. Not just one, <laughs> um, at least two that interact with me. I have almost four thousand four hundred followers, but only two that interact with me: Bob and my wife. Um, so. You know, you can't make Bob mad. And I know Bob is listening right now. And, and it's hard to make Bob mad. And we don't ever want to make Bob mad. Um, or Rob, yeah. whatever his name is. Robert, Bobby, Bob. Who knows what the hell his name is. Um, I mean, hell, hell, if we know if we know House is going to be gone um, with more notice next time, we, shit, we could just have him be our guest host and just ask a bunch yeah, of questions. We'd be like, no, yeah, great could, question, Bob. He, he Let me answer he, that. Bob can just ask questions the entire show for 45 minutes straight. You know, you can just play 20 questions. <laughs> he could do on it the air. for sure. He could do it. Oh, sure. absolutely. But let's talk about house for a second. I mean, this dude texts us at what time? Like three o'clock today. Oh, I'm not going to make it guys. Sorry. Do you, I'm going to find a co-host for you for tonight. And nah, I'm looking at my phone. Uh, I'm like, he, I think he felt bad and house's defense. He felt bad. And like I was saying, he was better than our former, co-host just kind of just showed up coming and talking to us and just dropped off the face of the earth yeah no no call no show at least he had the courtesy to say he wasn't going to be here yeah absolutely didn't even give us his two-week notice though just kind of said effective immediately i'm like oh wow but we got (laughs) got yeah as long as as house shows up next week we'll be good all right but anyway and then when when house then when house stepped up he was like already cussing at us and stuff. So we're like, okay, I kind of like him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he fit exactly. right in. So. <laughs> All right. But uh, let's, let's go back to Bob's question. Uh, now that Tannehill has dispelled the deep ball haters out there, is pocket presence his main issue now? And you're probably wondering why he's saying that the deep ball issues have been dispelled. And Adam Gase yesterday told the media this when asked about Ryan Tannehill. Um, he goes, what your experiences are and what my experiences have been have been completely two different things. I guess when we get in the fourth quarter and it's a closed game, I feel confident. Between him being able to play in the fourth quarter and the deep balls, questioning your guys' evaluation skills right now, I'm just glad you're not in personnel. And Adam Gates basically laid the smackdown to the media, and we all know who he's probably referring to there. Um <laughs> But yeah, Bob, pocket presence is his probably main issue right now. I think also uh, learning how to read the defense at a fast rate. I think part of the reason why you see him so successful in a two-minute offense is because it's a one-read one, one, one repass. You know, he gets the ball, 
he takes that one read and he throws it, or he takes two reads and throws it. Uh, other times he has to scan the entire field, and you see him sometimes struggling with that. But, yeah, pocket presence, he has gotten better at it. We've seen him getting better at it. But he just needs to keep on learning, keep on improving, and he will get there, I think, with Adam Gase. And uh, one more from Bob. And, Bob, I know you had questions last week, but they're kind of out of date, so we're just going with this week's questions. So please don't get mad at me again. Uh, <laughs> but before I, before I go to Bob, Hicks J one said Ryan Tannehill is a clutch performer, and Adam Gase should be in the conversation for coach of the year. I absolutely agree. Adam Gase needs to make the playoffs, though, to be coach of the year, in my humble opinion. And Bob asks, do you think Gase's young age has helped him with player relations? Sutton, what do you think? I think that's a great question. And I think coming into the season, I think every Dolphins fan kind of wondered how that dynamic was going to play out. How was he going to connect with the Cam Wakes and the John Bennies and the Dominican Sues? and the older players on the roster, I mean, how did, did he command their respect? And I think he just came in, and I don't know that he necessarily needed to put his foot down or anything like that. Obviously, he did midway through the season. Um, but I think he came in and just wanted to be a part of the community, you know, be a part of building something here. And I think that he, that the players end up seeing through the facade when a coach just kind of says that to get a job and then you see him in day-to-day life and he's not an approachable person. I think Adam Gase, when we came into the season, we knew of the late-night phone calls that he had with Peyton Manning. And you knew he was just kind of a, um, for lack of a better word, a gym rat. Like, uh, And that's what I described basketball players that just play all the time. You don't know how they're good. They just play all the time, and they're just good somehow. Like, Adam Gase just seemed like he was always in the film room, always absorbing everything that he could. So I think uh, just his determination resonates with people, and that's what's helped him connect with both the, the veterans and the younger players on the team is just his attention to detail and his commitment to everything. And I think uh, people can see how transparent he is about everything. And I think that that's just a, a quality that really, um, as a leader, to have that kind of transparency and be able to connect with your players like that, that's uh, a very valuable tool. That just shows you, Sutton, that when Bob asks the question, you give him a response that's longer than a novel. That's the kind of respect that Bob commands on this podcast. Exactly. Like I, that, I had to delve deep into the philosophical thing <laughs> there. You, you really did, but that was a great response. And I completely <laughs> agree with everything you said. All right, fine, let's do this. Like I said, guys, I know you're going to start freaking out on the live thread. We might have to start banning you if you get a little too crazy, but let's take just one more question from the live thread. We need to jump to the 49ers game, then we need to wrap up the show. So give me the best well, one. Out of the whole thread. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, it's a perfect segue. No, no pressure. No San pressure. Perfect segue into the San Francisco game. Now, uh, Griffin, who uh, some people know as Ohio Finn fan for life, asked this question, and it was after asking whether uh, a buy one, get one deal on six packs of Guinness if he was a dumbass for only getting 12 beers. Um, that came with mixed responses from Dolphins fans, but he did follow that up with a very legitimate question. Is this a trap game going into San Francisco? And I'll just comment real quick and then throw it to you, MC Money. Um, my background's in psychology, so I always look at games that might have a, a motivational tilt towards one team or another. I think the... Arizona game is the most likely to be a trap game, but I think San Francisco is a close second. So I think it's a legitimate worry. Um, Not that we're going to lose this game, but just a game that maybe we don't, that we fall flat, that we don't rise up to the expectations we might have. I'm going to see a lot of, you know, the the spread for us is seven and a half points. So you're going to see a lot of Dolphins fans claiming, uh, double-digit victories and two-touchdown victories and all that kind of stuff. Look, I've been a fan of this team a long time, and oh. I still remember that we're not that great as a heavy favorite. And 
it's hard to tell how this game will turn out. So I don't think that we can come into this game overconfident. But um, one thing that I respect the crap out of Adam Gase for is that he keeps his focus and therefore the team's focus one game at a time. And he would not answer any questions about anything in the future. He said he doesn't even think about it. There's no point talking about it. They're looking at San Francisco this week, and they're just going to find a way to get another win. You're right. He does keep them focused one game at a time. Absolutely. I don't think San Francisco is a trap game. I think the Dolphins are going to come in. The fans are going to be rocking that stadium like you've never seen before with a 6-4 and four record. I think the Dolphins will rally behind that home team. And I think they will win by two touchdowns, even though you say they're not going to. <laughs> um, you went so against gonna... everything I just said. <laughs> I'm going to disagree with you. And this is obviously a time where we don't agree as parents talking to our children that are our listeners right now. And we're going to publicly argue against each other in public right now. Um, hey, listen, okay. the 40, hey, the 40, discussion is healthy. It's healthy. Absolutely. The Dolphins mantra has been the entire season. Shut down the run first and first force the quarterback to beat you. They did this against the Steelers. They've done this against every single team. They did this against the Rams most recently. They did this against the Chargers. Colin Kaepernick is a pedestrian quarterback, right? He can scramble, absolutely. He can make some good throws. He doesn't have really good wide receivers. You have Carlos Hyde as your best player, who Chip Kelly said today is going to be the focal point of the offense. The Dolphins shut down Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde is a powerful runner, but he's not going to make crazy cuts in the backfield and do all sorts of crazy things like Gurley might do, like Melvin Gordon did. Okay? Um, He's basically a one-cut runner, and that's going to be it. And the Dolphins just need to build their assignments the right way. And they will have no problem shutting down Carlos Hyde. And from there, they're going to force Colin Kaepernick to beat them. And we'll see if uh, 49ers can exploit that, but I'm not so sure they can. And on the defensive side, like I said, they just lost Eric Reed for the season. I think we'll find some shots downfield throughout the game. But I think it's really going to be all Jay Ajayi early and often. And he's just going to gash through that 49ers defense. So, Simon, I'd like to hear from you what your keys to the game are, one on offense, one on defense. When it comes to offense, man, this is going to sound pretty bratty if we don't have very many opportunities to say this, but it seems like we could just about do what we want to do, at least in theory, because we should be able to establish the ground game, I would think, unless the offensive line issues become very um, different. I mean, the, the in the game against the Rams, we still gave up four sacks and everything, but they – the offensive line stepped up in the end of the game when we needed them to and gave Tannehill time. So hopefully they were, that was just a, uh, an in-game workout the kinks sort of thing. And that if we have to go with this same offensive line, that we'll get a little bit better production this Sunday. Um, but I think we just have to be balanced. We should be able to establish the ground game. And with, like you said, with the injuries going on in the secondary for the 49ers, uh, that we should have some favorable matchups with our wide receivers too. So perhaps the most important thing on offense is just to not shoot ourselves in the foot, maybe get some of these uh, penalties figured out. Uh, we've been a very heavily penalized team in the last few weeks. So maybe we can get some of that cleaned up, but really we just need to not turn the ball over and, and do something reckless. Yeah. Um but you don't think the Dolphins will win by two touchdowns? I think it's cer- it's certainly possible. I just I, I'm leaning more towards a single digit sort of score than a double digit sort of score. And then on defense, um, we need to. You've already hit the nail on the head. I mean, we just need to make sure that Carlos Hyde that we can contain him and not uh, let that power running game get started and be able to you know. Um, we don't want them to get into chunk yardage situations in the running game. So if we can eliminate that, keep Colin Kaepernick in the pocket and just make him sling it around, and then you tip your hat to him if they they're able to win a game where Colin Kaepernick's thrown it 42 times and they're able to beat us. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a fairly similar game plan to what we saw last week. Okay, we'll see what happens. I completely disagree with you, but that is quite okay. Uh, I think the Dolphins will just destroy the 49ers. Come at me. 
No, I mean it's not. You can, you can, man. That's your freaking podcast. You can say whatever you want, man. But that's right, son. Tell them again. <laughs> whose podcast is it? No, and I and I think a lot of Dolphins fans would love to see uh, the Dolphins open up with a fourteen to nothing lead or something in the first quarter. I mean, oh, we've yeah, been that'd be great. I mean, this the stretch these stretch of games during the win streak. These have not come easily. These have not been overwhelming victories that we've got. We've had to claw and fight for these victories. So I think it'd be a breath of relief for us to see a few big plays on offense, have the defense force some three and outs, you know, we yep. give the ball to a Jai for most of the second half and just coast into victory and we're all just laughing and drinking uh drinks with umbrellas in it and stuff and but I don't you know. You would you we'll, would we'll have see. the drinks with the umbrella. You would have the drinks with the umbrella. You took your one opportunity for associating me with a girly drink. Good job. I did. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. All right. So so since we um since we made Rob happy, we've had someone else on our live thread complaining that we're not answering his questions. Agent J seventy eight. So I'm going to do a really quick rapid fire with our live questions. Griffin Van Ness, I do think we covered the spread, but only because I'm a homer. Uh, I would not bet on that spread uh, because you never know what's going to happen. With the Miami Dolphins Alpha 6, we just talked about our predictions for the game. We're not going to give out really scores anymore, but we are going to talk about the overall nature of the game. Uh, Griffin Van Ness, there will, be not, will there be another grassroots effort to position the Dolphins to revert back to their throwbacks on a permanent basis? The Dolphins cannot change them, I think, until 2018. 2019, the earliest because it's a five-year rule that has become in the NFL that they can't do anything about. Um, Alpha 6, uh, we are not passing gas. That was probably my daughter coming into the room and yelling at me uh, because I'm taking too long on this podcast, and she's looking at me right now. Yes, Taylor, I'm talking about you. Agent J78, (laughs) Dion Jordan, he is probably not going to make a huge impact, but what do I know? I have no idea how far he is in his recovery. Uh, Sutton says, keep the questions coming, boys, even though he knows we cannot possibly answer all of them. Way to go, Sutton. Station uh, right there. Uh, Jimmy Bernaka, did we talk about uh, Tunsil and Albert? We did address that throughout the show. Um, Agent J filling in nicely and answering that question for us. Agent J78, Eric Reed, question we did address with the Dolphins, hopefully being able to expose the top of their defense with Kenny Stills and possibly Devontae Parker. Agent J78, again, we talked about Adam Gase's comments and attitude throughout the show. Okay. Agent J78, I think it's just Agent J and 78 and Bob that listen to our show, Sutton, <laughs> with a few other people mixed in. <laughs> All right, so Griffin, gave... Griffin said that he just tuned in and heard us immediately just talking about butt fumble. So yeah, that, that, made is, him that is great stuff to turn into. Agent J78. Great timing, Griffin. Yeah, Agent J wants to know if Tannehill is starting to remove the myth that he is incapable of being clutch or has an inability to throw the deep ball. Uh, yes, he is starting to remove that myth. Uh, Tannehill has 10 third quarter, uh, fourth quarter comebacks in his career, three in the past three weeks. Uh, 10 game-winning drives, 12 fourth quarter comebacks in his career. The more he does it, the more fans will start respecting him and see that it wasn't just all Tannehill in the past. It was a wide combination of things that we can do an entire podcast on because, boy, do I have a lot of inside information on Ryan Tannehill and Joel Philbin. And the whole way that whole situation went down, dating back to London where they beat the Raiders. But I'm going to leave you with that teaser, and we're not going to talk about that right now. We will talk about it another time. You can text me or tweet me, and we'll talk about it on the phone. Just kidding. I don't want to talk to you on the phone. Call us. But don't call us now because we're running out of time. All right, I'm not answering any more questions, uh, but I will plug your DCC ride, Griffin Van Ness. That is a great cause for charity. Uh, thank you for participating and raising money for cancer research with the Miami Dolphins. Hashtag Donna's ride. Agent J, you missed last week. That's what you get. That's why we're not answering all your questions today. It is your version of timeout on Finsider Radio. Whew. All right. <laughs> we've, been going, we've been going for 50 minutes, and it doesn't even feel like 50 minutes. And we haven't even talked about how much uh, turkey and mashed potatoes and delicious food we're going to have uh, this yeah. week. So I just wanted to go ahead and say uh, happy Turkey Day to you, MC Money, and the rest of the Finsider Radio community, and hope everybody enjoys their families this week. 
Due to my religion, I don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Thank you. Oh, uh, yeah, you're one of those, um, like, reverse Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> no, I celebrate Thanksgiving. Shut up. I am going to. <laughs> I am going to enjoy my turkey. I'm going to enjoy my mashed potatoes. I'm going to enjoy my whatever beer comes along my way in wine. And then my wife has taken me out Black Friday shopping. And we will be out from 9 p.m. on Thanksgiving night to about 3 in the morning. We will come home, take a nap. And we will then go out more shopping. And I will watch all my money fall down the drain. So... What are you going to be shopping for this weekend, Matthew? What do you need? I, I don't. I don't know. We go shopping and we just find good deals all over the place, and whatever is so a good you deal. Like, so you're like one of those dudes from a Budweiser commercial where you go to like the inside of the clothes rack and check your fantasy team and. Oh my God! Stuff yes. like I, that. I, what I what <laughs> I do is I have the I have the Thursday night game streaming on my phone while while we're shopping, and I try to hide throughout all parts of the store. There you go. I'll, pret- I'll pretend to go try on clothes and just sit in the dressing room for about 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, and that's so what then is. your wife's like, oh, baby, tried on 127 pairs of pants today. You <laughs> didn't like any of them. What's going no. on? No, I didn't like any of them. Not at all. Yeah. All right. I was just but feeling yeah. really picky today. Yes. I, we hope everyone does have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the turkey. Enjoy the alcohol. Enjoy the football. Cowboys versus Redskins, that's going to be one hell of a matchup. Um, so that will be fun to watch. And then we got the Dolphins on Sunday against the 49ers. And let's make it six in a row, boys. Let's go to seven and four, go into Baltimore, and we'll get there when we get there. All right, for Sutton, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for joining us tonight on Finsider Radio. We had a great show. We hope you enjoyed it just as much. We'll talk to you next week. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play. Brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories. Like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0. Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.